page 211 in the Sicha, which we started. <clears throat> I'm going to start again in the beginning of the first column, the paragraph that begins with the words V'yashleimah. The Sicha asked the question, why in Va'al Hanisim do we say... Why in Va'alanisim do we say besides for Giberim biyad chalashim and Rabbim biyad ma'atim mighty in the hands of the weak and many in the hands of the few which is obviously a miracle we also say Rishon biyad tzadikim am tmeim biyad tahirim am zaydim biyad iske teresacha um, uh, impure in the hands of pure, evil uh, uh, evil people in the hands of righteous, and sinners in the hands of those who study your Torah. And the Rebbe began via Shleimer Habir the explanation of this. It's known from those days, even though the decrees against the religion of the Yidin, which was these decrees were decreed through the kingdom of Yavan, which was evil. That they decreed against the Jews many decrees preventing them from Torah and Mitzvahs. There were many Jews, they were called Misyavnim, that they joined together to the Yavanim, to the Syrian Greeks. In addition to those who did this because of force. In other words, there were those who were forced into it, but there were many who were convinced by the culture of the Syrian Greeks, to the point that there were a minority only, a small minority of Jews that remained from Yidin. There were only a minority of religious Jews left. So this is the history of those days. Based on this history, the Rebbe says we're able to understand in a surprising explanation. Perhaps you can say that the intention of the three above expressions impure in the hands of pure, evil in the hands of righteous, sinners in the hands of those who study your Torah, the reference over here is to the misyavnim amongst the Yidin, Hainu meaning, in addition to the miracle, that the together with Matisio, together with his children, together with his small army, Gavru al-Malchus Yavon. They won against the superpower of the time, the Syrian Greek army. Ba'ifin, in a way, the Masartik Ben-Biyad Chalash, and Rabbi Biyad Matam, etc. Furthermore, there was given over to their hands, they were given also the Tmeim, the Rishoim, 
and the Zaydim, that they were Mibnei Yisrael Gufa, they were from the Jews themselves. In other words, they won over not only the Syrian Greeks, but they won over the Misyavnim. And the Rebbe says, winning over the Misyavnim is a much greater miracle than winning over the Ivanim. Even though the Misyavnim obviously were just a minority amongst the Ivanim themselves. They were only a small fraction of the Ivani Empire. But nevertheless, to win over the Misyavnim still was a greater miracle. Let's see why. This increases very much the miracle. We're on page 211, the first column, the last paragraph in the first column. What? No, it was funny because I was like, as I'm 213, I was looking on the page. Like, okay, I'll just, I'll just let go and let you keep going. The first column, the last paragraph in the first column. This increases in a great way the miracle. For two reasons. Hein nitzachin hamalchama both the victory of the war in its simple sense. Ukamuvan Bipashtus as it's understood simply, Goidel Hanes, the great miracle. Kasher when Mibne Israel Hayulitzidam Shalayivanim. The Jews were on the sides on the side of the Greeks Greeks. Nevertheless, the religious Jews, the Tahirim, the Tzadikim, and those who study Torah, or involved in Torah, as we explained earlier, they won. And also from a spiritual sense, this, that the Holy One, blessed be He, Hashem, made for the miracles, made for the Jews, excuse me, this miracle. That this is the whole point of Tivi. This wasn't a natural victory. It was a miracle. As we say in Va'alanisim, that you, Hashem, in your great mercy, we're going to say this tomorrow evening. Tomorrow evening, we're already going to start saying, Va'ala Nisim. Va'ata brachamecha rabim. You? Why are you saying no? In your great mercy, Amadita lahem be'eserasim. You stood for them in the time of their difficulty. Ravtas, rivam, dantas, dinam, nakamtas, nakmasam, asarta gibarim biyad chalashim rabim biyad matam tei biyad tarim, shoram biyad eskiteri secha. This is the statement of Alanisim. But we're speaking about the Abishter's miracle. And this is the Afalpi, even though there were many Jews that were not worthy of this miracle. Mikol Makim, nevertheless, Hashem paid attention to the minority. That were pure tzaddikim and involved in Torah, and he made for them this miracle. So the Rebbe says, the fact that the Jews won over the Misyavnim is a double miracle. It's a practical miracle and a spiritual miracle. It's a practical miracle because, practically, if there were Misyavnim on the side of the Yivanim, then the Misyavnim are 
familiar with the tactics of the Jews. And therefore they're able to advise and strategize in a way that the Yivanim themselves can't strategize against the Jewish armies. And nevertheless, the Jews won. So that's point A. Point B is that even though the Jews were not worthy of this miracle, nevertheless, because there was a small minority of Jews that were tzaddikim, tahirim, and eiskei teresecha, Hashem made the miracle all those all the same. So this is the two ideas that the Rebbe presents over here. Now, the first idea is obvious, right? I don't remember if the Rebbe... Um, expands on it at any point in the Sikha later on. But it's obvious that if there are Jews that know the back alleys of Jerusalem, if there are Jews that know the way of Matisyohu, how he thinks, if there are Jews that are familiar with the Jewish culture, with their ins and outs, and they're fighting on the sides on the side of the Yivanim, then that's going to make it that much more difficult for the Jews to win the war. You could imagine that in any battle, when there's a defector from the other side, that defector is worth more than a hundred soldiers. Over here you had a majority of the Jewish people, unfortunately, that were in that category of defectors. And they were helping the Ivani army. Did they want to help? They wanted to. They were attracted by the culture of the Ivanim. They liked the sports. That's what it was. They liked the sports. They liked the movies. They liked the the philosophy, the so on and so forth, the Greek restaurants. They liked the culture of the Ivanim. They were attracted to it. And they wanted to adopt it. And when a Jew adopts something, he does it better than the original. But weren't there like at least one or two who like saw the brutality and just joined our side? There were one or two Yivanim? Oh, no, no, Jews who the, you had Matisyo and Banov who were fighting their battle. Were there more from the Misyavnim that joined them? I'm sure there were. I'm sure there were Misyavnim that did Shuva. But that was only of limited benefit. Because they're just rejoining our side. So this itself is a great miracle. What the Rebbe is going to have to demonstrate is why these terminologies would refer specifically to Misyavnim as opposed to the Yivanim, which is what you always imagine that it refers to. Why is it that the Rebbe is seeing somehow in this language? Then the Rebbe said also from a spiritual point of view, the the language of why is it that that language is referring specifically to Jews 
in the hands of Jews rather than the Greeks in the hands of Jews, which is what we always understood it to mean. If it does in this case, does that mean that it also does in, in just the regular Amida? Where else do you have this terminology, the specific? We have the term Zaydim. Yeah, Zaydim is one of the... Correct. So you have the term Zaydim, and yes, the truth is, over there it does. If the, the, that prayer was made specifically for, unfortunately, Jewish people that were undermining Jewish practice. So if there's Jews that aren't as religious that are being absorbed into Greek culture, would that also not mean that in, at some degree that even the righteous had to take on the culture as well? They were being forced to, but which is why... They went and they hid away from the Greeks. They went and hid in caves and so on in order to be able to escape the culture of the Greeks. I'm talking in in reference to the other Jews too because, I mean, they could stay in caves but then there's also the other Jews that are being affected by the culture that they would have to... So the Rebbe said there are certain Jews who are forced to, absolutely. But beyond the Jews who are forced to... There was a great wave of Jews that were attracted by it. This isn't something new, unfortunately. This is something that repeated itself over and over throughout our history. In every point of our history. In Spain, before the Inquisition. So the Jews were better Spaniards than the than than than, than this the Spanish themselves were. They were in the highest echelons of the society on every level. The in in Germany before the Holocaust, the same happened, which was why Hitler was able to ignite the jealousy of the commoner against these successful Jews. And this is true again and again. I'm giving two um, classic, stark examples, but this is true again and again throughout our history. When the Jews want to adopt the culture of their host country, which is what happened with the Misyavnim and the Ivanim, then they do it very, very strongly. Often were rejected physically, but often were also rejected only spiritually. And that was the case with the Ivanim and the Jews, that they said, we'll take you, we won't take your religion. Are there situations where we've been rejected only physically but not spiritually? I know it sounds kind of reversed, but... If once we're being rejected physically, then we don't, we're not there anymore, so there's no spiritually. Okay. But that's the, the classic example of that is the case of Purim, and uh, if you want to go back to the case of the Holocaust again, they tell a story, uh, a story that uh, apparently actually happened, of a, that they would gather together the Jews in the Holocaust often in the churches, and uh, the, they they would. Um, gather together all of the people of the town, whatever it was, and they would say that anyone who's Jewish has to go to the side, anyone whose father's Jewish, anyone whose mother's Jewish. 
So when they said, and when his mother's Jewish, the priest got up and he took a statue of Yashka and uh, brought it over to the side of the Jews. <laughs> it's it's funny, but it's uh, it it demonstrates the, the Hitler went back all the way to great grandparents, I think even great grandparents. They say that he himself had some Jewish lineage, but okay, this is getting off off topic. According to this explanation, this is referring to the Mesiavnim. We could explain also, this, that it specified these three descriptions specifically, in a way of something and its opposite. In other words, that each of these descriptions contrast each other, which is one of the questions that we asked, why do Zaydim and Oiske Teresacha contrast each other? Tameyim biyat, Tahirim, Mishon biyat, Tzadikim, and Zaydim biyat, Oiske Teresacha. Key, because Hanigud begimot varim elo, the nigud, the contrast in these three things, Shaykh is relevant, Lamitasai, on a uh, in, in, in its real way, rak libne Yisrael gufa only by yidden themselves, veloi bahayachas shebein Yisrael lo amim, not in the relationship between Jews and the nations. In other words, you cannot contrast a Jew to a non-Jew that the Jew is tahar and the non-Jew is tame. If you're speaking aliba de emes, if you're speaking actually, if you're speaking really. You cannot contrast a Jew to a non-Jew of that this one is a Russia and this one is a Tzaddik. Kalaymar, in other words, Bayachas Bain Yisrael Lo Amim, in the relationship between the Jews and the nations, Loi Matim, it's not appropriate, Kolkach, Litaer, to describe Haumais. It says Kolkach, that means that sometimes you may find such a description. So Shmuel, it is possible that you're going to find somewhere a tefillah which is referring to Yidin as Tzadikim and, uh, as Tahirim and, Rishayim, and non-Jews as Tmeim. There is such a possibility. But when you're really contrasting it, the true contrast between Tami and Tar cannot apply to Umay Sa'ilam, to nations of the world. Ki, Ketmeim, Rishayim, and Zaydim, Benigud Lebnei Yisrael, in opposition, in contrast to the Yidin, Shehem, Tehirim, Tzadikim, and Eisketerisecha. Why? Ki Gedder, because the concept, the category of Tahara, purity, Sidkus, righteousness, Eisek involvement in Torah, Eitzel Bnei Yisrael, by a Jew, who misug Acher Legami, these words are in italics, who misug Acher Legami, they're of a completely different type, than they are by Ben Noyach, than they are by non-Jews. This can't be considered in their category. You can't contrast a Jew to a non-Jew, something that a Jew has that doesn't exist by the non-Jew in that way. And therefore, it's not possible to say that they contrast the Jews in these things. As a result of the fact that they are impure, that they are um, evil, that they are sinners. 
the kashem shaleishayich etzla ma'inyan the tayrim sadikim oisket harisacha. Being that it's not possible for them to be pure in the sense that a Jew is pure, because the concept of purity, as we're going to demonstrate on a nigla level, doesn't apply to them in that way. It's not possible for them to be righteous in the way that a Jew is righteous, because again, the concept of righteousness as it applies to a Jew. The way that a Jew is righteous is not a way for an Andrew to be righteous. There are, when I walked in this morning, so um, who was it? Was learning a Maimer, Michal was learning a Maimer about Chassidei Umay Sa'ilam. There is such a concept of Tzadikim amongst Umay Sa'ilam, but not in the way that it applies to a Jew. So it's a different playing field. It's a different category. It can't be contrasted then to each other. And the same with Oiske Teresacha being involved in Tere Kafishem B'Bnei Yisrael. Kach Leishayich Leimashem Enagdim Ledvarim Eilu Vaisam Epchem. So being that the concept of purity as it applies to Jew doesn't apply to Naju. The concept of Tzadikim as it applies to Jew doesn't apply to Naju. The concept of being involved in Tere as it applies to Jew doesn't apply to Naju. Therefore you can't say that there's the opposite of the Jew in this sense. And the Rebbe is now going to show each one of these three things why the way that it applies to a Jew doesn't apply to a non-Jew. The category of impurity, impurity. According to Rak It's only relevant to a Jew. A non-Jew doesn't cause impurity. Ubilashan Harambam, the language of the Rambam is Akum Shenoga Bemes, a non Jew that touches a dead body, a corpse, Harehu Kamisha Loi Noga. It's as if he didn't touch it. The concept of Tummah doesn't apply to a Jew. The concept of Tummah is a Tananju. The concept of Tummah is a um, it's an ethereal idea. It's not something which is practical. It's not something which is tangible. It's not like you get dirty from something that you touch and therefore you're tame. The concept of tuma is something that can only apply to someone who's in the category of tuma and tara. And akum, the Rambam teaches us, is kemisha leinaga. Ha lema zedayme lebehema shenegea b'meischulu. This isn't something which is relevant only to Tomas Meis, the Rambam says. All impurities. A non-Jew doesn't get impure from these things. He doesn't get affected from it. It's not something which is relevant to him. The intention of the Rambam in his Arichus that he's saying over here, the language that he's saying over here, it's as if he didn't touch. He is this that non-Jews don't become tame. Ein haperish baza. The explanation of this is not shirak nifku bipoyal midintoma. It's not that for some reason they have a certain um uh, uh energy around them that prevents them from becoming tame. They're nifku bipoyal, they're practically lifted up. They have a impunity from tumma. 
The Rambam is trying to describe over here, he's trying to demonstrate over here, that the concept of Tumma and Tara, as it applies to Jews, doesn't apply to non-Jews. With regard to this idea, there isn't the existence, there isn't the reality that there can be be a shame to man and anju ukumai behema shaina begather zaklal, just like an animal can't become tummy, because an animal is not tummy or tar, it's not in that category. The concept of tumma and tar is something which exclusively applies to a neshama of a Jew. The same is true also with tzidkus, with righteousness. Again, not that the concept of righteousness itself doesn't apply to a non-Jew. The concept of righteousness as it applies to a Jew doesn't apply to a non-Jew, like we're going to explain. Inyan hatzidkos Israel. The idea of righteousness and its opposite by Yidin, Taloi is dependent bekiyom tar yag mitzvahs in the fulfillment of the 613 mitzvahs shenitnu li Yisrael dafka, which were given to Jews specifically. Masha'en kein b'nei noyach, as opposed to non-Jews, she'enin hatzitkos v'harishos hurak bekiyom zayin mitzvah shalem. Their rishos and sitkos is not in fulfilling 613 mitzvahs, it's only in the fulfillment of the seven mitzvahs which they do. Shehachiluk Bein taryag mitzvah shel Yisrael v'zayin mitzvahs b'nei noyach. The difference between the 613 mitzvahs of a Jew and the seven mitzvahs of a non-Jew is not enay rak b'misbar ha-mitzvahs. It's not only in the amount of mitzvahs. That a Jew has many more mitzvahs than a non-Jew. It's not just that we have 613, they have seven. Ela there are two completely different types of mitzvahs. As explained elsewhere at length. The mitzvah of a Jew is a mitzvah which its objective is to connect him to something higher, which is what threatened the Yivanim as we discussed at length in the Maimer that we spoke about. A mitzvah's miloshon savsa v'chibor. It's something which allows a Jew to connect to the Eivishter. It's an entirely different concept than the Zion mitzvahs b'nei neich, which are there in order to make a perfect human being. In other words, humans were put here in this world. B'tzalem aleikim. Every human being is B'tzalem aleikim. And to be a perfect human being, one must fulfill the Zayin Mitzvah B'nei Neyach in order to recognize that there's an Eibishter who created the world and that there are moral ways to behave within this world. That's the Zayin Mitzvah B'nei Neyach. It's about morality, it's about achieving perfect perfect living within this world, perfect existence within this world. So why do people say our goal isn't to be a tzaddik? That's a separate thing. Uh, Before the, the, I address that point, the concept of tzitkus by a Jew is 613 mitzvahs. 613 mitzvahs is not just more than the Zion mitzvahs, it's an entirely different sug. It's an entirely different category. It's an entirely different type of mitzvah. Even if they only had, even if they only had seven mitzvahs, it would still be entirely different. Exactly, because it's not about being a perfect human being. It's about being a godly existence. It's about connecting to your neshama and your chelik alikami malmamish. It's about connecting to that which is beyond you.
which is what threatens the Yavanim so much, because they can't stand. They can't stand when we try to connect to something which is outside of us, which is greater than us. Um, wait, wait, wait. Um, I was actually thinking, how about the Tzedakim and the Balad, like all the rest of the groups who were like doing things wrong, to the Greeks, they're doing stuff that are just wrong to the Greeks, so can they also join the Maccabees? Perhaps, but I don't think that Tzedakim yet existed at that time. It was still before that uh, that particular mode of philosophy evolved into a culture. Because the history teacher from last year said like they came at once when Alexander uh, came into. Perhaps I don't know. So I'm I'm not so good with the history to know exactly where what started where, and on a practical level, obviously you could read about the stories and who joined what, and perhaps there were Tzedekim that joined the army of Matasio, but certainly they were not the ones that earned the miracle. Of course, but I mean, like, to the Greeks, like, like for, um, there's no question if they're wrong, right, but to the Greeks, enemy is an enemy, so they could have just joined just for, like, uh, to protect their ways. <clears throat> The, 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 the way that one would interpret it is totally in the beholder. The way that we know is totally in truth. Because, uh, for example, I do remember hearing stories that even the reforming conservative went to Soviet Union to help out the Jews, and the Soviet Union was against all forms of religion. So. But we know, we know that it was the Rebbe that brought down the yeah, course, um, I mean, Berlin Wall. Yeah, of course, but I mean, like, um, there could have been a little possibility that the Tzedakim could have... Uh, uh, so, right, but again, despite the fact that there there was probably on on the outside much, much more help from non-Jews, we know that it was the Rebbe with his ripped shoes that brought down the Berlin Wall, right? That's uh, another time. I just heard it recently. Shalachein matzino. Therefore, we find sheikker ha'inyan deschar ve'aynish harak b'israel. The main idea of reward and punishment exists only by Jews. Kameshikasav, as it says clearly in the pasuk in Amis, rak eschem yadati mikol mishpachos ha'adama. Only you, Hashem says, you Yidin, do I know from all of the families upon the earth. Therefore, I will I will count against you all of your sins. In other words, Hashem says, I know you and therefore I'm going to punish you. Right? This is like the idea that whom does one punish? His own children, not his neighbor's children. Right? So if you get a patch from me, that means that I feel very close to you. He doesn't worry He doesn't worry about them, about the non-Jews if they're good or they're bad. Shani akum de lemafkedina alayu, that a guy is different to lemafkedina alayu, that the din, the harsh judgment, the strict judgment is not mafked, it doesn't pay attention to them so much. 
Ein memarin min hashemayim lifkad aveinoisam alehem. They do not hurry, so to speak, from heaven to um, uh, call them accountable for their sins. Vainu. That means she'ein maseim chashuvim lifnei amakim leichashiv chet. Their actions are not considered by the Holy One, blessed be He, as a sin. Ukemoisha amirazal al pasuk chet chata Yerushalayim. Yerushalayim sinned. The non-Jews, even though they sin, it's nothing. So that's the second level. Now finally, the third level, Hashem, the name, those who are involved in your Torah, is only relevant by a Jew. A non-Jew, who is involved, who studies Torah, Misa. He's chayiv misa. A non-Jew is not allowed to study Torah. He's only allowed to study the parts of halacha which are relevant to him. But he's not possible when it says chayiv misa. It means that there is no connection between him and Torah. The concept of Torah is something which is higher, which there is no way for one who is not a Jewish person to relate to in his life, in his existence, in his reality. The Afsha ben Noyach Chayavim Lilmoid Halachis, the Shiva Mitzvah Didu. Even though a ben Noyach is obligated to study the Halachis of the seven Mitzvahs, and nowadays there are books. Big, big books which are written to explain the Zion mitzvahs. And there's websites filled with resources for Zion mitzvahs. I think it's called noahide.com or something like that. Mikal Mokim, nevertheless, Einam Begeder Oiske Torah Secha. It's not called studying Torah. If I learn that material, I'm studying Torah. A non-Jew who learns that material is not studying Torah. He's just learning what is relevant for him to know as one who wishes to achieve, as we said, to be a perfect person. The concept of Torah is only that which we, Yidin, received exclusively by Har Sinai. And therefore the Torah is relevant only to us. Since the non-Jews are not in this category of Oiske Teresecha, Harvey Muvan, it's understood, She'enam gam begeder zeidim haminagdim loiske Teresecha, they're also not in the category of zeidim, sinners who are opposed to those who study your Torah. And here the Rebbe gives a beautiful, relevant, powerful lesson for us from this idea in the story of Hanukkah. On page 213, the beginning of the page. Umikan, and from here, you have Idod, Vichizuk Gadol Bnei Yisrael B'dayreinu Zeh. You have Idod, encouragement, Vichizuk, and uh, strength. Chizuk Gadol Bnei Yisrael B'dayreinu Zeh for Yidin in our generation. Shanoisef lazeh sha'atem hama'at mikola amim. In addition to this, that we are the smallest amongst the nations, we're this tiny little nation, a tiny, tiny, tiny fraction of the world population. Hine gam Yisrael gufa. When you look at the Jewish population itself, and obviously 
from Tavshin Lamed Beis 1972 until now, it's changed a little bit, but not a lot. The, there are more and more from, from Jews in ratio to the general Jewish population in every year in, in, uh, as time continues. But nevertheless, the truth is still that even Mibnei Yisrael Gufa those who guard Torah and Mitzvahs completely in all of the, their details. In other words, the Rebbe is not interested in categorizing certain Jews as reform, conservative. That's not what the Rebbe is interested in. After all, it says in the Gemara that that every single Jew is filled with mitzvahs. But those who completely keep Torah, they are, for the meantime, for now, a strong minority, Achenu b'nei Yisrael Shlita. That's how the Rebbe refers to them. Our brothers, the Yidid, Shayu lahem yamim tayvim aruchim, that they should have many good days that uh, that continue for them. But they're not yet shemitayr and mitzvahs. Vahahisbeinenus b'matzav zeh. Reflecting on this situation, Yechayla lahaviyas adam lidei yush chas v'shalom. It can, God forbid, bring a person to a feeling of yush, a feeling of giving up. Even if it won't give a person a feeling of giving up. In other words, I feel that there is no hope. There's no hope. How can I, this tiny little nobody, make an impact? Have a dif- Make a difference. We're so small. We're so weak. How can we possibly make a difference against the Jewish population and certainly against the world population? Even if it doesn't cause a person to give up, it can, al-kopanim, ligrim, it can cause chalishos, a weakness. The ketzad yizku b'nei Yisrael l'gula How will the Jews merit the complete geula? The true Geula, which is dependent upon Shuva, the Ein Yisrael Negalun Elabit Shuva, the Jews are redeemed only through Shuva. But how is that possibly going to happen? When so many Jews are still far from it, there was somebody who once came into the Rebbe and he said, Rebbe, it says that the Jews will not be redeemed until you have a Darsha Kulei Zakai or a Darsha Kulei Chayv, until you have a generation which is completely meritorious deserving of the redemption or a generation which is completely not deserving in other words they're so bad that Hashem has so to speak no choice but to redeem them he says Rebbe you're working so hard to bring people to do tshuva etc but how are you ever going to turn over all of the Jews to do tshuva it seems like an impossible task so if you're not going to make a Darsha Kulei Zakai, why don't we just throw in the towel and make a Darsha Kulei Chayev? And then we'll earn the Geula. <sighs> so the Rebbe said, there are three Jews that are not going to allow that to happen. In other words, there are three Jews who would never throw in the towel and allow something to happen. The Rebbe mentioned the Sat Merav, a second person, and himself. 
So that's the, that's the story that I heard. On this, you have the limud, the teaching. How much more so? Mimei Chanukah from the days of Chanukah. The Kamei Bimei Chanukah, just like in the days of Chanukah. Shaz Hayutmeim Urishahem Bezedim. You had all of these Jews that were misyavnim, that were impure. They were evil. They were sinners. Umikal Matkain, but nevertheless, Nitzchol. There was a victory for the Tahirim, the pure, the Tzadikim, the righteous, the Eisketer Isaka. Val Derech Zebedeirenu. Similarly, in our generation, Kasher Kamam Yisrael, when there are many Jews, She'enam Shemrei Tayro Mitzvus B'Shleimus Leisata. That in the meantime they do not yet um, fulfill the entire Torah, but they're much better than the misyavnim because the misyavnim made a rebellious choice to turn their back on judaism but most of the jews nowadays who don't fulfill mitzvahs they are babies that were captured and brought up in a different culture and therefore they don't know of Yiddishkeit. They didn't chas v'shalom, turn their back on Yiddishkeit. They're standing in their guard, they're standing in their positions of teaching Torah and spreading mitzvahs with Mesiris Nefesh certainly Hashem will help us to the point that he will bring a Shua of Atzalalaylam. And again, I want to point out, the Rebbe spoke this in 1972. In 1972, a Jew who would see the structure of the Jews now in 2020, it would be something which would be unbelievable for them. The strength of the religious community now is so much greater than it was then. Nevertheless, this lesson still applies. But we see already how Hakadosh Baruch Hu is maybe Yeshua Vatsala for the religious um, uh, Yidin who are Imdim al Mishmartam and for together with them La'ilam for the entire world. And furthermore, that was given to them the power to win over even those who are not pure. And the reason why is because even though the Tahirim, the pure, may be the minority, but they're just a minority in numbers. When it comes to the Echos, the quality, the pure are Ha'ikr, they are the most important, they are the primary. Because they have the strength of holiness. That its source is in the holiness of the omnipotent, the Eibishter. In other words, sometimes you could have a single drop that you drop into a huge, a, a, a huge collection, and that single drop changes the whole collection because it's beyond 
more potent than anything else. Its potency is so powerful that a tiny, 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 tiny fraction of it is able to affect a huge collection, which is much greater than it. One tiny drop of liquid can affect a, a huge collection of liquid, and so on and so forth. The same is true with Tahirim and Tameim. The power of Tameim, although there are many and they appear powerful, but their power is a worldly power, a natural power, a power of limitation. The power of Tahirim is an, an unlimited power. It's a power which is able to turn over and transform everything else. Therefore, safe, safe. They are the ones who are victorious. But even shall Masarta, in a way of Hashem, gave over, gave over. It's not just that we won, but Hashem gave over the Tameim Biyatayim. He gave over the Risham Biyat Sadikim. What does it mean? He gave them over. It means that they became Bali Tshuva. He gave them over to our camps. They were given over to the hands of Kedusha. That they're turned over to good. They're conquered. This is like we learned in the last Mimer. One of the most important points that we learned in the last Mimer is the two levels of what the Chanukah Menorah accomplishes. On the one hand, it accomplishes that it gets rid of all of the merida, all of the rebellion that is out there on the streets. But on an even deeper level, and an even greater level, it accomplishes that that they stop rebelling and they begin praising. That they too become Tahirim, they too become Sadiqim, they too become Eskaterisacha. It's not that we win over them and we vanquish them, we win over them and we lift them up, we bring them in, we envelop them, we embrace them. Just like this is true with regard to the Jewish people. It's also by every single individual Jew. Man and woman. Amr Chazal Harbe also be Adam. It says in the Gemara that many have done like Rabshim Bayekai, meaning wanting to to closet themselves off and just study Torah, but will also be Adam? They were unsuccessful. The Rave Bin Israel, Enam Yeshve Ayel, Elabali Asik. Most people are not able to sit and study Torah all day throughout their lives. They need to go out and make a living, earn a livelihood. Most of their day, they're busy, they're involved in their physical needs. Only a minority of their day. You think even about ourselves, Yeshiva Bachim, who are busy with Torah all day. How much of our day are we actually studying and davening? And how much of our day are we doing other things? How much more so if a person needs to actually go out into the business, into the world, into the street, then how much time is he davening and learning? He has 24 hours of the day, and of those 24 hours, what is he giving up for learning? A small, tiny slice. 
וגם שאוסם כל מעשיהם לשם שמיים ובכל דרכיכם דהיו. And of course we're talking about Yidin that are doing everything the way that they're supposed to do for the sake of heaven, knowing Hashem in all of their ways, acting morally and righteously even in the workplace. Harei nekroi masacha v'drachacha. It's your actions. It's your ways. Eloshenasim l'shem shemaim. It's not Torah and mitzvahs per se. It's possible then that there will rise in the heart of a person a depressing thought. How can I possibly fulfill the instruction of make for me a mikdash, Hashem says, and I will dwell in you, dwell in me. What do I have? I have a small sliver of my day that I'm learning, that I'm davening. I have a small sliver of my day that is dedicated to holiness. How then is my life a proper vessel to contain Hashem? That the holiness of Hashem should dwell inside of my home, inside of my life. Most of my time is dedicated to physical things. In this you have the lesson from the days of Hanukkah. This that a person imagines by himself that only a small minority of his life is dedicated to purity, to tzidkos, and to involvement in Torah. This is only in amount, in kamus, in quantity, but in quality, that sliver of time that you're involved in Torah and Mitzvahs, that is that little drop that colors the whole rest of your day, that changes the flavor of the entire rest of your day. Right? Izzy, this is this is your field, right? Taking a tiny drop of something and affecting a huge quantity of something else. Yeah, uh, look look at gas. That the odor, uh, the off odor and gas. It's a very 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 small amount. And furthermore, through this recognition itself, a person merits that not only will we accomplish that, the primary focus of our day is that small sliver of time, but it's given over even when you have to go out to the business, even when you have to be involved in practical, physical, technical things. Near Gash Etzle, there's felt by him this is not his primary being. All of those things are tuffle, secondary to my primary um, focus, which is serving Hashem. And over here we also have encouragement for Balei Tshuva. They look at their life and they say, for however many years of my life, for the majority of my life, I was involved in things which were not pure. 
And furthermore, I was involved in things perhaps even that are Rishayim, that are Zaydim. Yitzram hiskaber alehem oz, umargishim atzmam, and therefore we feel ourselves chaleshim, we feel that we're weak, umma'atim, we feel that we're so few. Hine alehem leida, we need to know. Shaheim lamitasim tahirim tzadikim aisketer sacha, that everything, the entire life, is transformed to tahirim tzadikim aisketer sacha, vizel ikramitsiusam, and this is your primary existence. You transform your past. I will transform my past. The things that I have done in the past that I feel are overwhelming. That how much time? I'm already so old. And so much time in my past. I've done things that I don't want to do. And I want to do tshuva now, but what's it going to help? This is the Masar to Gebein Biyad Chalashim, Rabbin Biyad Matim, Gebein Biyad Chalashim, Tmein Biyad Tarim, Yishon Biyad Tzadikim, V'zeidim Biyad Eskiter Sacha, that my past is transformed, my past is uplifted, my entire life is changed because of my focus currently. Every single individual will build his individual mikdash. First, we're going to purify ourselves from all negative things. As it says, they cleaned out the heichal, they purified the base of Mikdash, and afterwards we're going to approach the Menorah inside of us, and Ay yahal nisecha v'yal nifloi secha v'yal yeshua secha. Okay, um, unfortunately today is the last class for about a week. We'll pick up again next week, Bezus Hashem. Tuesday or Wednesday? Um, Wednesday probably. Wednesday morning hopefully we'll have a class. So we'll pick up next week Wednesday. Um, until then, I will Bezus Hashem post on the Chassidus WhatsApp um, some recordings that I've made of some Hanukkah ideas, um, mm-hmm. the summaries of Sikhs, etc. Okay.